kind of always been an advocate of uh oh hello by the way um yeah i've always been a kind of advocate of uh dipping below the threshold of correct conduct and finding a way to sort of undermine formalities a way to puncture gravitas but it's current moment it doesn't doesn't seem appropriate but then as as well as uh, talking about this issue you don't you don't want to seem inauthentic you don't want to appear as if you're talking with affected gravitas because that's fucking annoying as well and there's nothing I can say that will avoid coming across as condescending or mawkish swaddled in white guilt or shallow tokenism or opportunism it's all shit it's all so fucking late 11th hour nonsense Brilliant comedian and writer Archie Maddox uh, recommended Obertushaka, Dr. Obertushaka to me. In one of the YouTube videos, he said black people are twinned that rather than the Manichian conception of God, of a Manichian conception of good and bad as two mutually exclusive energies, black people see the bad within the good. Where there's good, there's bad. And that's why they're highly attuned to what's behind the sanctimony. And behind that is support for institutions that uphold overt devouring racism. But you get politicians who are sanctimonious and uh, pay lip service to the black community. But really, they're upholding these institutions. And so are we, it's all of us. We're complicit. And why they're so deeply frustrated with what I and other white people put on Twitter. It's because it's too fucking late. We should have been paying attention. And it's it's shameful that we weren't. And like a lot of white liberals, liberals like myself become mere metropolitans who have learned as part of good manners to deny what has no immediate remedy to deny what has no immediate remedy and that's why we're still waiting for the go-ahead from the black community from black people to be let off of the hook because the remedy is to assume the foundations of western civilization as they're built on the backs of slaves and black oppression even as you know, even as I say this, I'm looking for a nod from my black friends, thinking, you know, a free free pass for old Papa Lonigan, though, yeah. I did my bit, did my black squares. I didn't do any black squares. I didn't. I didn't like that kind of uh, uh, performative solidarity, and also just the fact that it fucked up the Black Lives Matter timeline. They're using that hashtag as a resource to uh, to, to pr- provide information about the movement. But yeah, we have to be more receptive to the soft eyes, unconscious racism that aids the continuation of oppression. So one example, and this is again going to be 
that thing of, oh, look at me reading up on my black history. The, the one book. I'll read, boy, don't you worry. I've read a few. But the one book I'm reading um, at the moment in Seize the Time by Bobby Seale, the chairman of the Black, black Panther Party. And in this chapter, there's a corner in downtown uh, Oakland in 1967 where black children were being killed despite repeated petitioning um, for a traffic light to be installed. And then Huey P. Newton sent a message saying, if we don't have a red light there, the Black Panther Party is going to come forth and the Black Panther Party will direct traffic there until you get a light put up, even if that means that we tie traffic up for 50 blocks. We think the light should be here readily. And we also think we should have an officer here to direct traffic when the traffic is so heavy. Many pe- many of the people passing 55th and Market, Huey said, are middle-class white people going to their homes after work in the evening. And many of them are coming up, uh, are coming by when traffic is heavy around 3.30, when our kids get out of school. We've already had two children killed here and one injured. And there's an accident on average of one every other day. It's very dangerous. We're going to lie or we're going to direct the traffic ourselves. The Black Panther Party is going to come forth. We'll have our guns with us and we're going to stop the cars so our kids coming from school and other people in the community will be served by the Black Panther Party. And that was very effective. That was part of the initial phase of the Black Panther Party, working in conjunction with other members of the community. And that's something I've noticed with black people is that they with well, that they do really effectively is community organizing. And a lot of people are talking about mutual aid at the moment during the pandemic and now during the protests, the 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 black Black Lives Matter protests. And on this article uh, about mutual aid, I'll just read some passages from it. As the press reported on these immediate outpouring of self-organised volunteerism, the term applied to these efforts again and again was mutual aid, which which has entered the lexicon of the coronavirus era alongside social distancing and flattening the curve. Not a new term or a new idea, but has generally existed outside the mainstream. Informal childcare collectives, transgender support groups and other ad hoc organisations operate without the top-down leadership of philanthropic, sorry, my list getting in the way there, my fat tongue, funding that most charities depend on. And representative... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez held a public conference call with the organiser Miriamé Kaba about how to build a mutual aid network. Kaba is the founder of Project NIA, a prison abolitionist organisation that successfully campaigned for the right of Illinois miners to have Illinois miners to have their arrest records expunged when they turn eighteen. And mutual aid work thrives on sustained personal relationships but the coronavirus has necessitated that relationships built online and 
uh, charitable organisations are typically governed hier- hierarchically with decisions informed by donors and board members. Mutual aid projects tend to be shaped by volunteers and the recipients of services. It's not community service. You're not doing the service for service's sake. You're trying to address real material needs. If you fail to meet these needs, you also fail to build the relationships that are needed to push back on the state. And this reminds me of the Black Panthers... 10-point platform and program. It sort of covered all the basic necessities there. Employment, housing, the end of the white man pillaging the black community, education, teaching about black history, not whitewashing that history. Black men to be exempt from military service. And this is a saddening one. We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. That was 1966 that that was written. And look where we are today. But yeah, the 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 the, the sort of the disruptive part of the Black Panthers project appeals to me because I'm quite a defiant personality. I know the Black Panthers aren't for me, but these were men. Um, oh, yeah, this is taken from Thomas Merton's The Wisdom of the Desert. Uh, these were men who believed that to let oneself drift along, passively accepting the tenets and values of what they knew as society was purely and simply a disaster. These were the men who believed that to let oneself drift along, passively accepting the tenets and values of what they knew as society was purely and simply a disaster. And I wrote that in my my notebook on last August and followed up with, and that's the passage I bust out whenever I want to justify stealing a buffet breakfast from a youth hostel. I'm a minor Christian anarchist. I get my defiant personality from my mum who once fended off two attackers. And there's a few more quotes here regarding violence as a kind of absolution, a penchant for physical and spiritual obliteration, performing a sort of theatrical exorcism. And being able to go about and still buffet breakfast from a hostel or fend off two people with a tambourine like my fat mum who I love very much and you have lost weight mum I wasn't lying to you but being able to do that that's a privilege afforded to me by being a straight white man it's fucking mad to think if you placed me at any point in history that That'd always be the case. What is it about straight white men that they have a cockroach-like ability to avoid destruction? What is it? What's so special about straight white men? But that is a privilege afforded to me. And because if a black person was to do the same thing, they would get the punitive hammer of justice, uh, 
say that with quotation marks. They would get that, I was going to say bonked onto their head. I realise that is totally not the right wording for this current situation. You don't say bonked, mate. You don't say bonked, mate. We're all trying to confront our complicity in racial oppression. You don't say bonked during a time like that, mate. Don't say bonked on the head. Not the right time. But yeah, society is an organism in the same way a raft of ants is considered an organism, a sort of material made up of ant molecules, made up of bits. They act in a way that replicates the properties of both viscous fluids such as honey and elastic solids such as rubber. When placed on water, this close-ordered entanglement of ants arrange themselves to enhance the unit's buoyancy. They work as one to sort of stay afloat. There's a video online about it. You see these ants, this little ball of ants. Not What type of ants are they? can't remember. And you see, and, and yeah, they kind of work like you see them from a press of Petri dish on top of them. It's like a, it's being pressed down on a sponge or something. That, that bounces back in, not bounces back into shape, and yeah, becomes a ball of ants again. They work as one to stay afloat, but Peter McCoy, who started an organization called Radical Mycology, has tried to use the same, the radically decentered, fungus inspired method of sharing information to enlist people from his for his cause. One radical mycologist trains 10, and those 10 can train 100, and from them, 1,000. So it is that mycelium spreads. Utilitarian approach to imparting knowledge and making sure all parts of society are reached. A lot of organisations flourish, including the, the, the Black Panthers who we were talking about there. But I'm not going to be the one to give you a history lesson on black history not for me to do that and again the, the word bonked in there just that i am so sorry that was that's not on but yeah i think i hope that there's something that we can get through uh, mutual aid and, and and especially from these black groups that are trying to organise at the moment. I hope they're able to work together to maximise the, maximise their effectiveness. And you know we need to show our allyship without making this uh, about us or trying to foreground what we perceive to be our own you know persecution because it just does not compare to the persecution of black people such a huge historic weight to it you could hear in the voice of john boyega today when he spoke which was i mean mate that fucking got me just imagine what that would 
imagine what that would do to a black person, how they would feel watching that. And that got me, little bleeding heart, liberal. But yeah, I'm not speaking, and I'm just a junkie speaking into a microphone in his bedroom. Talking to about, I don't know, the listenership's been all right. We've been consistently getting about 45 listeners for each episode, so it's slowly ticking upwards. Again, let's make this all about me. That That's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, this episode is a bit, bit serious, but uh, kind of reading the room. Yeah. Maybe putting it out full stop was a bit of a misstep, I don't know. We'll wait and see. But I'll catch you. Yeah, seriously, I'll catch you next Monday. Next Monday. <laughs>